Welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and creative entrepreneur, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on writing, publishing options and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author blueprint and lots more information at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double n. And here's the show. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is episode number 707 of the podcast and it is Tuesday the 8th of August 2023 as I record this. In today's in between episode, I'm talking to Steph Pajonas about why writing with AI tools is so useful and important for people with chronic illness, disabilities and limited time or limited energy. And this is something that is not being talked about so much, but is critical for accessibility. And Steph talks about her personal experience with post-viral fatigue, and we also share other examples we've heard about of people whose lives have been changed by AI tools. And uh, we're certainly not outing anyone, but we've both just heard from so many people. People can actually work again, they can finish books, they can reach readers after years of struggling. So it's an encouraging, positive look at co-creating with AI tools. And as always, remember... As Walt Whitman said in Song of Myself, do I contradict myself? Very well, I contradict myself. I am large. I contain multitudes. So yes, you are allowed to have complex and nuanced thoughts on AI. It is not an all or nothing thing. You can use it for some things and not others. And plenty of us are using AI tools ethically as part of our creative process. I've recently shared how to use Claude, which is a, a language model from Anthropic, in a video for my patrons uh, for generating sales descriptions, as well as more emotional Facebook ad copy, questions for readers or book groups, analysis of tropes and themes and more. So a big thank you to my patrons who support the show and pay for my time and mental energy around these topics and especially these extra in between episodes. If you support the show on Patreon, you get my extra monthly Q&A for patrons only, where I answer questions on writing craft, publishing, book marketing, making a living with your writing, and yes, AI technology futurist stuff, as well as extra content I share with patrons behind the scenes. So for example, I've just been doing a poll about my next book, which I have been calling the shadow book, but now I actually have some potential titles. So I had my patrons vote on that. That's still going on as I record this. So the Q&A is around 45 minutes of audio. And uh, if you join the Patreon, you get access to the entire backlist. So lots of audio you can listen to if you want to learn in that audio sense. And a lot of it never goes out of date because a lot of it is craft advice. You can support the show with just a few dollars or euros or pounds or many currencies a month, less than a coffee a month or a couple of coffees if you're feeling generous, because I do drink a lot of coffee. And uh, yeah, you get to ask your questions and you get all the extra stuff. You can support the show at patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash the creative pen. Right, let's get into the interview with Steph. S.J. Pajonas is the USA Today best-selling author of science fiction, romance and cozy mystery with over 30 books under two pen names. 
She also started the Facebook group AI Writing for Authors and is one of the founders of the Future Fiction Academy, teaching authors how to harness the power of AI to revolutionize the world of fiction writing. So welcome, Steph. Thank you so much for having me, Joanna. I'm so excited to be here. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because you and I have been connected for probably a decade. We've been on social media and like comments and all of this, but this is the first time you're on the show. So first up, tell us a bit more about you and how you got into writing and publishing. I think that my story about writing is pretty similar to most people. I started writing at a young age. I really enjoyed writing fan fiction and screenplays when I was in high school. I, did some co-writing with a friend of mine. We really enjoyed coming up and using other people's worlds to tell stories. And so that was a lot of fun for me. And then when I went to university, I went to Michigan State University, I studied a field that is not really in use anymore, telecommunications, right? It's been usurped by the internet and uh, everything like that. So I studied telecommunications with a minor in film. And when I was doing film studies, I did a lot of screenplays. I really wanted to be a screenwriter, really wanted to write screenplays. But I got to my final year of college And I looked at how much money I owed for my student loans. And I thought, oh, no, I really probably should get a job (laughs) to pay (laughs) all of these loans off, right? Um, And then it was in my senior year, I decided to take a basic HTML coding class. Back then, it was like 1996, 1997, right? And so I was doing basic HTML and Netscape. I think it was Netscape 2.0 and building websites in class. And I thought it was pretty fun. I was like, this is, this is fun. This could be the future. I, I kept thinking that the internet was going to really boom. I had been part of the generation that had AOL, <laughs> you know, and, and we, I was in chat rooms when I was younger. So I decided right then and there that I would learn how to make websites as as a career and do that in order to pay off my bills, right? So I graduated from college in 1998. I went to work in a small internet design firm in Detroit or just north of Detroit at that point. And then they got bought by a bigger New York company. So I thought, hey, you know, I just broke up with a boyfriend. And I (laughs) thought I could really expand my horizons by moving to New York. I have family in the New York, New Jersey area. So I, I would be close to family. So let's move to New York. So I transferred to New York. And then that company did well for a while. And then it was the dot-com boom. And then it was the dot-com bust. And I got laid off and I went to uh, work at HBO at that point. So I worked, started working for HBO on hbo.com and it was the hot heyday of HBO. It was the Sopranos, Sex in the City, Six Feet Under, all of the great shows back then. And I was working with the team that helped build all of those websites. So I was back in the entertainment business. I was like, oh, this is great. I love working for entertainment companies, having so much fun. And I did that until 2007 when I had my first child. So when I had my first baby, we were living in Brooklyn and everything was super expensive. Couldn't really afford daycare. So my husband said, well, maybe you could stay home. Um, You could stay home with her and our future second child. And then when they go to school, you can 
go back to work. And I thought, yeah, I could probably do that. But it wasn't much longer after they were born that I was realizing that the internet was just taking off, right? All, like all of my skills were becoming irrelevant fairly quickly. Um, and I could have kept up with them, but I was still thinking that my career might be somewhere in entertainment, somewhere around there. And then I saw the KDP, I saw that people were self-publishing and I thought, well, I've always wanted to write a book. <laughs> mm. I've always wanted to write the turn my screenplays or my ideas into books. So I'll try that. And so I wrote my first book. It took me like two years. <laughs> you know, I think I went through like 12 revisions of that book. And then I published in 2003. I'm actually coming up on 10 years published now. So I, I took the long road through the internet and through um, entertainment companies to come back to writing. I'm really happy to be here. And I've since like published about 30 books between my science fiction romances and the cozy mysteries that I published. Mm. You said 2003 there. I think you meant 2013. Oh, 2013. Yes, you're right. Sorry. I'm like... Uh, time flies. To like, <laughs> thinking way back to my time, uh, like... It, building internet websites so <laughs> yeah yeah I know it's it's crazy isn't it I mean how time shifts but yeah. it's actually really interesting to hear more about your background in internet and entertainment and we'll circle back mm -hmm. to that in a minute but um okay. I did want to ask about many of your books are centered around Japan and mm -hmm. I wondered if you talk about that because you're obviously an American and yet yes. if people go and have a look at some of your series they are very Japanese so they how do travels come out in your writing <laughs> And why Japan? Yeah, so when I was late in college, I became interested in Japan. There was a time when uh, Hayao Miyazaki was, um, I think it was Prince of Mononoke came out, right? I think it was right around that time where it was in the theaters. And I was just amazed. I was, this is such great storytelling. This is such beautiful anime. I really love this. Um, and I started looking into Japan and beginning to understand a little bit more about the culture and the country. And then when I went to my first job to the internet company just north of Detroit, I met a friend, Jennifer, who had actually spent several years in Japan. She lived in Hiroshima and she was working there a lot. So we sat down and we just started talking a lot. She was missing Japan. So she was telling me lots of stories of her time there. And I was thinking, yeah, this is a really cool place. I'm really interested in this culture, in this um, in this country. So when I moved to New York, I thought, well, maybe I'll learn Japanese. That would be fun for me. I'll learn another language and I will figure out if my love of this country will expand to something other than just pop, pop culture, right? So I started taking Japanese language courses at the Japan Society. It's in New York City. It's on the east side over by the UN. It's a beautiful building and they have a language program there. And I started going to classes and I really just, I loved learning another language. It was so much fun learning another language taught me more about the English language too. So I was able to really expand how I was learning about language and understanding language at that point. And the, my love of the country grew from there. I started studying all types of parts of the culture, the history. I was watching movies, TV shows, like anything that I could get my hands on. And then we started traveling to the country as well. 
So I'm a long time Japanophile. I feel like I, I started falling in love with it in like 1998. And I've been studying the language for a long time. I am not fluent, not even close, but it is fun. And I seem to have a pretty big vocabulary. When I listen to the shows, I, I recognize a lot of the language and the words. So it's, I just, I really love it. And there came a point in in my life where I felt kind of removed from it after I had my my first child. I couldn't really go to the language classes anymore. I was sort of housebound with her doing all the mom stuff. And so when I decided to pick up writing, I thought, hey, if I use my knowledge of Japan in my works, it will sort of bring me back to it. It'll make me feel closer to the country and make me feel closer to the culture and the language again. And it just, it helped me fall right back in love with it once more. So spending the time doing the research and looking at the history, I I learned so much just writing the books because I, I made parallels between my books and some ancient Japanese history. It just made everything come to life for me. I really just, I so enjoyed it and I still do it now. So it's been 10 years of writing and I still include a lot of Japan and Japan Mm -hmm. in my books. Yeah, I love that. And I, I'm same as you. I use a lot of my actual travels and my imaginary travels and transporting somebody to another place as part of the book. It's that kind of escape as as you, you were writing to help yourself escape, but we also write to help other people escape. So I really love that. And people should definitely have a look at your books there. So let's get into the AI stuff. And again, like Mm -hmm. I said, it's really interesting that you've come out of this background of technical stuff plus entertainment, but Tell me, when did you, or why and when did you become interested in the writing area with AI and how has that developed? And I guess, how do you use the tools now? Well, uh, you definitely have something to do with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! uh, Yay, (laughs) yes. Uh, Last year, April of last year, so that was 2022, trying to get my year straight. Everything is flying by. April of 2022. 22, I got COVID. Now, a lot of people at that time, COVID was here in the United States, and it was a little bit like more than a cold, but less than a flu. You know, it wasn't too bad, especially for people who had been immunized like myself. So I got COVID, it felt like a bad cold. And then I thought everything would be fine. And I would just go right back to work afterward. But instead, I had about six to eight months of pretty terrible brain fog afterward. And I just couldn't think I was, I would be, I would sit down to write and I would look at my document and I would try to remember what I had written and what I wanted to write next. And I just couldn't <laughs> like, I, I couldn't hold all of that information in my head. And it was incredibly like depressing and demoralizing to think I had written like 30 books. And now all of a sudden I couldn't write anymore because of this brain fog. And I had, at that point, I had already had a Sudorite subscription for about a year because I think you had had Amit on your show the first time um, a, a year previously. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I had gotten a Sudorite subscription the very first time when he was on your show. I was like, this is great. This, this sounds like a really cool tool. I would love to use this and, and figure it out. I got the subscription and I remember typing into it and trying to use the tools and not really understanding how they worked, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I let my subscription lapse. I put it on pause 
And then when I had the brain fog in the next year, I decided, well, maybe these tools, this AI tool that I subscribed to a year ago will help me with what I'm writing. And at this point, it was late summer last year, and I had finally gotten to a point in the book that I had been writing where I'd gotten to like the 80% mark. And it had taken six months to get to that 80% mark when it should have only taken about two. And I sat down and I thought, well, I'll use these tools and see if I can get myself over the finish line and then go back and fix all the stuff that I had tried to write during my brain fog time that just didn't come out right. It had felt very flat and uninspired. So when I started copying and pasting my work into PseudoWrite, I, I suddenly realized how it all worked, that I would click on, like I had a scene in a marketplace on this planet that it was mostly Japanese, right? So I had a scene in the marketplace and I wanted some more description. So I highlighted the parts of the scene that I wanted more description for, and I clicked the described but describe button. And oh my gosh, it understood context. I was like, mm. this is amazing. Uh, it knows that my world, because of the context of the words around what I had highlighted, what included Japanese elements, it gave me Japanese elements too in the describe function. And I was blown away by that. I was like, oh, I finally get it. It was like the light bulb went off. And I was like, this thing understands context. It understands the words around what I'm trying to use. And then suddenly I was off to the races because now that I understood how the actual tool worked, I was like, I can actually use this for a little bit more than describing things. Like it is great at describing things using all the five senses and whatnot. But then uh, when I reached my 80% mark where I had stopped, I thought, okay, we'll use the tools now to see if I can ha- it can help me write and get me over the finish line so that I can edit and finally release this book. So it was one of those things where I, I had a need for it. So I, I had the brain fog. I had the subscription already due to you, you talking to Amit. So I thought, why not use these tools? Because I have a need for them. And it, but it was so, it was like so revelationary to see them actually work and see how they worked that from there I was hooked. I I was, I was so hooked. I was like, I'm going to buy your subscription of this and I'm going to use it. And we're going to, and I'm going to tell everybody about it. And it was interesting that when I finally started telling people about it, that I was so excited about the tools and how cool they were, the amount of negative pushback that I got from that. Mm. A lot of people were just like, oh, this is plagiarism. You know, this is stealing from creatives, et cetera, et cetera. And so I thought, well, you know, I I don't see it that way. Now that I I looked at the white papers as to how it all worked, understood like how GPT-3 worked because OpenAI was much more open about their training data set for GPT-3. So I went and looked at the white papers and I understand how it all worked, especially because I have this computer background. So I was able to put that knowledge to use to understand these tools. And I decided, well, I know that the tide is probably against me, but I'm going to go anyway. Joanna's doing this. A lot of other people are doing this. I'm sure that I can make some headway, right? So I decided 
that I would be more open about it and start using the tools as they came along. And of course, as you know, like ChatGPT came along, I started using that. Um, I've started, I use Anthropic and Claude and then the tools have just, just blossomed since then. So I'm using all of these things and now I'm doing it with a, a larger peer group as well. Yeah, it's great that you had that light bulb moment. Uh, and again, I appreciate your technical background. I have a bit of a technical background too. And I feel mm-hmm. like if you, as you have done and I have done, actually look at how the te- the technical stuff works, then many of these arguments we know are wrong. But this is an emotional topic. So I was yeah. really, really pleased because, of course, I've been talking about this since 2016. And <laughs> so I was super thrilled because, and I've had a lot of negativity, obviously, for years. And when you started the AI Writing for Authors Facebook group, I was so happy because I have felt very alone for years. I mean, people were telling me I was mad for for quite a long time about how, and I know I'm always early, but I mean, this, and this has obviously grown a lot faster than than I expected. But yeah, so you started the AI Writing for Authors Mm -hmm. group, uh, Facebook group, which now has over three and a half thousand members, which I think in itself is amazing. And you also have really clear guidelines. So it's an AI positive group. People can have questions, which a lot of people do, and everyone Mm -hmm. shares their knowledge, but it is AI positive and it is um, obviously people have to apply. So I'll put the links in the show notes. But what I wanted to ask you was coming back on your COVID experience. I also Mm -hmm. had about six months of difficulty after COVID. Mm -hmm. What are some of the other health things, disability, accessibility, that that AI tools can help? Because I feel like there's a lot of authors out there who are struggling who could really use some help yes yes and and I have learned more about this as I've been running the Facebook group right so the Facebook group started and it was literally like me and three other people and it was like that for like a whole month pretty much and I never thought that anybody else would come in and suddenly we started getting a trickle of people coming in you know like a few here and then five there. And then suddenly it was like 10. And then suddenly I was waking up and there were 20 people every morning that I had to like let into the group. Right. So the group started growing and people started sharing their experiences using AI and without naming any names or anything, they, um, they shared with me that there were a few people who like had brain fog from chemotherapy, from fighting cancer or brain injuries too, from traffic accidents. There have been people who have low energy due to autoimmune disorders. That could be anything from like fibromyalgia or anything else in the autoimmune category. I've seen people who've come in who find that the AI tools help them with their ADHD brain, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of, lot of ways that the AI tools help these people, either it helps them to keep them on track, you know, you may be having a chat with ChatGPT about your world building or your characters, and you're really into it, because it can go back and forth, you can bounce ideas off of it, it can it can ask you questions, you can ask it questions. So it can sort of keep you on track, which is great. If your brain is kind of scattered, and you find that you might be better off to be focused on something. Um, There are people who are using the tools to help them flesh out first drafts, because sitting at the computer is 
taxing on their body. They may have spine impactions, shoulder issues, any one of these other like physical problems with actually sitting at a computer for long stretches of time when you would be typing, they can instead move a lot of that time to sitting or lying in bed and using the tools on their phone or doing having the time sitting at the computer instead of being like five hours, it's one hour and they use the tools to help them quickly write a draft. They can then go and come back to and edit more into their style, into their voice, but it gets out of the way like five hours of sitting at the computer and drills it down to maybe one. Mm. So it's, there's a lot of different ways that the tools are helping people with disabilities. It's really, really inspiring to see people who come into the group said that they've struggled for years with trying to write their book because they can't sit at the computer or they only have like 30 minutes a day when they don't have brain fog or they, they're not extremely tired. And now finally that time is productive because they're using the AI tool to help them get the words down. I'm just, I've been, it's really, (laughs) it's like me and my heart just so full and like bursting, watching these people tell us about the stuff that they're getting done. And just, um, it's incredibly, incredibly inspiring. Really. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those moments where I have no words. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I am really with you on that. I think, and this really humanizes it too. And it's an, an angle we wanted to talk about because it's not really being talked about enough. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone's talking in the negative way about, oh, well, scammers will do this. And people mm-hmm. who want to plagiarize famous authors will do this. And it's like, I'm sorry, that's really not the vast majority of people, let alone authors and the real authors who want to create the project on their mind and their heart, they're the ones who are struggling. A lot of authors struggle with health issues, whether that's mental yes. health, physical health, all of this. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree with you. I I rem- remember seeing one lady in, in there with sort of, I only have that one hour a day. And of course, it's not just the writing. It's like the other stuff we do, like writing emails. Sure. It can help you write emails. It can do your Facebook ad. It can write your Facebook ads. It can, it mm-hmm. can do this other stuff. And when I I was reading that and I was like, oh my goodness, that is so right. And I had the same after COVID. I could do about one hour a day and it gave me a lot more compassion for people who have chronic fatigue and who have all these problems. Now I, and I'm, I'm fine now, but it gave me an insight into what can happen and can happen to any of us (laughs) at any time. Right. I mean, you Mm -hmm. Your leg as well a while back or something. Oh my God. Yes. I I broke my leg in 2019 rather badly. I broke like both bones and needed five hours of surgery. And I still have a lot of metal in my leg. Yeah. And I still have chronic pain from that. And I feel the time that I had COVID actually destroyed part of my short-term memory. I can't remember, I can't remember things from like one moment to the next. And I'm sure that's only going to get worse. With I think that might be age. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely got worse after COVID. So I'm going to blame a little bit of it on COVID, but um, yeah, it's like the, you, sometimes you just need some help and I don't see why these, you can't use these tools to get you further a little along on your path. 
Yeah, exactly. And they are tools. And I mean, I've been using Claude, the Claude 100K model through Poe, uh, P-O-E.com for people listening, to really analyze my work, to figure out my tropes and to write better ads and to write even mm-hmm. questions. And I mean, it's just amazing what we can do. So let's let's take it from that other angle, because for me, the biggest use case, I mean, I hate the phrase use case, but it's very, it's very uh, tech world, <laughs> isn't it? But for me, it's almost like the joy of writing and the fun like I don't know if I ever really had fun before AI right. <laughs> like right. I just had so much fun I am literally sitting here giggling away I think mm-hmm. I felt I felt jealous when I hear people who co-write with other humans and they say oh we have so much fun and I'm like yeah I haven't had that before even though I have co-written and I love my co-writers yes. but you know it just wasn't a fun giggly process and now I literally am giggling away with Claude a lot and it is fun so I wanted to point that out to people listening the the positive ways to use this um yeah so uh, what can you say on that side as well oh yeah I'm having so much fun with these tools as well there have been times when you know it like it'll come up with a twist I hadn't thought of it'll surprise me with some little bit of dialogue that's really really funny you know like sometimes clog can be really funny and it's it's great to watch it come up with some things on a lot of uh, I hear a lot of criticism of the AI tools that they're they're built on lots of human language and human experience and so it's only ever going to be as creative as humans well I mean I'm a person I'm 47 years old I've had a fairly a good uh, good exp- life experience so far I've been to a lot of places I have a college degree and whatnot and yet still I sat down to brainstorm with chat TPT once and we were talking about Arthurian legend, right? So I was talking, I was chatting with ChatGPT about Arthurian legend. And at one point I just said, well, what are some other long-lived legends from other cultures that I could draw on for this story? And it gave me the epic poem, Orlando Furioso. And I had never heard of it before. (laughs) I was like, what is this? This seems really interesting. And it was really a cool story. So I was like, tell me more about this poem. I had never heard of it before. And ChatGPT told me all about it. And then I went off and I did my own research about the poem because I was uh, looking at it. I thought this was a real, this'd be a really cool backdrop for a story. And so like, I, I didn't know anything about Orlando Furioso. And all of a sudden, ChatGPT gave me ideas I hadn't thought of before. And it really, really, really set me in, in an inspired act, you know, something mm-hmm. different to look at. And that those kind of moments happen all the time right? Those kind of moments, they can happen with the AI tools. They can happen if you're on Wikipedia and you're clicking on links. (laughs) I can't tell you how many rabbit holes I've gone down on Wikipedia, just clicking on links and learning about stuff, right? So like, it's just another way of approaching information and approaching data in a way that is fun and inspiring and I definitely love working with them. It's just, it's so much fun. Every single day I'm having fun working with these tools. Yeah, me too. And in fact, it's almost like I can't wait to get back to it, which again, I've mm-hmm. not really had before. You know, writing is, it is hard, you know, writing a book is hard and it's very worthwhile. And so, yeah, I'm really loving it. And what's funny, of course, is people say, oh, but it lies. And we're like, yeah, these hallucinations are actually creativity. <laughs> 
<laughs> we love for fiction writers. <laughs> they are really good. Yes. Yeah, so as you say, it's using lots of going backwards and forwards. I think the very nature of the chat interface also changes mm-hmm. things because as you say, it sparks an idea. So you might ask another question and then what it will come up with will spark something else. And then you'll go off and have a look and you might come back later. And so it, it, it's almost like the pro, the creative process can go a lot faster in the same way that it would be with a collaborator. That, that is kind of how it feels. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. But let's, um, I mean, obviously, copyright, legal issues, all of these things are concerns, but I have done lots of shows on that already. So we're just going to skip that because we we believe the same thing and I've covered it before. Right. So people can yes. go back and look at those. But one of the other main concerns that we hear is that authors are worried that the proliferation of AI tools will mean a, a bigger flood of books mm. and that discoverability, book marketing is going to become even harder in an already saturated marketplace. So how are you feeling about this and what are your thoughts on this? Okay, well, I have a few thoughts on this. I I definitely think that the market is going to take care of a lot of the flood of books that are coming into Amazon, to any one of the other stores. The market usually takes care of that, right? So readers uh, find the stuff that they like, they keep buying from those authors, and then those books rise in their ranks, and they do really well. And then the stuff that is not so great, falls down, and it doesn't get discovered. But if you want your books to be discovered, I figured there are a couple of different ways you can use AI tools in this regard. You can use them for helping you with social media. You can definitely use them to help you write Facebook posts. You can have them, uh, if you're still on Twitter, you can still have them write, help you write some tweets, like series of tweets, maybe about your book or the themes within your book, the characters in your book. You can use the tools for for ads, like uh, coming up with ad copy for Facebook or Amazon ads. The, they can help you really churn out like a lot of ideas very quickly. So it lets you get in there and start testing those ideas quicker than possibly other people who are agonizing over those whatever, like 30 words you can put in an Amazon ad, right? Mm. So it gives you a chance to like really pump out like a lot of ideas really quickly and then hash through them and get get your idea out to market as quickly as possible. Plus, if you are a person who really loves content marketing, like I know you do, Joe, um, I also have been a blogger since like, I've been a blogger since like 2003. So, and that, that is definitely since 2003. That's been like 20 years I've been blogging. So I I blogged first as a a knitter, where I had a knitting blog for many, many years. I shut that down at some point. And then when I became an author, I decided to have another blog that I would use also for marketing myself. If you want to write for your blog or maybe Medium or you want to do a Substack, any one of these things, you can use AI tools to help you come up with ideas to write about. You can tell it your genre. Like let's say you're a cozy mystery author. You could go in and say, give me some ideas. I want to write about cozy mysteries, maybe themes within cozy mysteries that people might find appealing, give me some ideas to write about. It can help you come up with ideas some, and help you come up with SEO um, optimized posts for your blog, for wherever you want to write. And I just feel that being 
visible to our audience, being out there, being ourselves, and you can be human and use AI at the same time, right? Mm. So it can help give you ideas and then you can put your spin on it as a human to to put to write about those things and get people to come to you. So I find that as long as you're out there and you're creating content that is applicable to your genre or your brand, that people are going to find you, they're going to enjoy what you're talking about, they're going to enjoy the kinds of things that you write about, and then therefore you're going to be in their minds when they go to buy. So I just feel like um, you can use the AI tools in order to help you come up with these ideas so that you can be more visible to your audience. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I'm finding the Claude 100K, I'm I'm kind of analyzing my books and it's really helping me understand my tropes. For example, I have always said, oh, I don't write romance. And what I have found is that m- most of my books include second chance romance as part of the subplots. <laughs> and I'm like, this is crazy because um, I'm married for the second time and my mm-hmm. second second time romance so like in my arcane series Morgan Sierra and Jake Timber the agents there's this uh, sort of tension they never get together and then in the same in my desecration and I didn't even know and it was the AI that kind of told me yeah these are the tropes in your book and I was like oh my goodness how did I not even know that that's hilarious (laughs) I'm learning a lot about my own work and I also wanted to say that I think generative search is going to change things and make search more new oh yes So Mm -hmm. I've been, I have almost given up on any other form of book discovery. So now I'll be in, say I'll be in Claude and I'll be like, I'm looking for books that are, I don't know, action adventure thriller with religious elements like mine, obviously. And I want a female protagonist and written by a female author and set in Rome and maybe, I don't know, a historical (laughs) mystery. And so I'll give it such a long list and then it will give me some options. And then I will go and I'll say, okay, I like this, but I'd like a subplot with this kind of thing. And so I'm actually having a chat to find books and I this is not possible at the moment we're so hamstrung by sort of keywords and categories and I feel that generative search will mean much more nuanced search in the future we're not there yet but I think we're getting there I feel like that we're so close to just uploading our books to one of the stores and having it take a look at what we've written and then have it give us all have it do all of its metadata on its own. Yes, Wouldn't that exactly. be amazing? I That's can't what it wait should have day. been. Yeah, I mean, it should have been that. <laughs> Why can't it not be that? It already has our book. Right. We do upload our books. <laughs> Exactly. Like, why can't it just look at it and say, oh, I see second chance romances and, you know, religious themes and these sorts, and then just optimize your book for for the search. I don't understand why that can't happen right now (laughs) without us having to go in and choose keywords. Yeah. So I would just encourage people that I really think within the next six to 12 months, we're going to see a real change in search where it's going to become so much more nuanced and granular and all of those of us who have been writing cross-genre books for like Mm -hmm. forever will suddenly find more readers because people want these things but they can't even search for them right now so I'm actually very encouraged about discoverability I think uh, I'm really hoping that this solves the problem (laughs) 
<laughs> you and me both. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So just to come back to the other things you're doing. So you and some other AI positive authors have started the Future Fiction Academy, which is fantastic. Because a lot, I mean, I even today I sent someone in your direction because they email me and say, oh, I really would like some help with how to use these tools. So what is the Future Fiction Academy and how are you helping authors over there? Okay, so Future Fiction Academy, I started it with a few other people. Our leader is Elizabeth Ann West. I have a few other people on our team, Christine and Karen and Leland. And we basically, we're all AI positive people. We've been using the tools for as as long as uh, I think that Elizabeth's probably been using them the longest out mm. of all of us with Christine probably. And we've been using the tools as part of our workflow for a while. And we decided that we wanted to be able to teach other authors to use these tools, but they need to be able to use them now the way that they are now. So when we started the Future Fiction Academy, we sat down and we thought, how are we going to teach how are we going to teach authors how to do this? Because if you try to create a you try to create like an evergreen course, it's just not going to work. Things that we were doing, the things we're doing today weren't possible two weeks ago. Yeah. There exactly. were things that we did two to three weeks ago that are completely obsolete now. Yeah. Right. So if you try yeah. to do a course, even like a six week course, I was thinking even six weeks, like you could get three weeks into the course and something major could happen. And all of a sudden you're scrambling. Right. So we decided instead to do lab hours with our students. So our model is built around the fact that we have eight live ab- eight live lab hours, that's kind of hard to say, in in one week. And we sit down with our students on Zoom and we go over the, we go over the latest tools. We go over how to use those tools to write. We go over how to use those tools to brainstorm and world build and build characters. And then we'll sometimes even just look at something brand new that has come out like that day and we'll sit down with the students and we'll play with it and we'll figure out the ways that it works. Maybe we see how it breaks. And so we try something different. It is a very sort of like off the cuff, what we're doing with students. And then we archive all of our labs and we have them all in Teachable. So if you can't make any of the labs, you can go and watch something from the week and you can learn something new. So we decided to try this different platform for teaching because we need to be on the cutting edge all the mm. time. Yeah. We can't miss something. So we we have about 100 students now, which is really great. They're coming to labs, we're all learning together. We have a Discord server where we talk a lot about like what we're working on, what we've come across, new tools we've seen. It's very cutting edge. It's very we're on the cuff of like cusp of everything that's happening. It's been so much fun. <laughs> it's been <laughs> kind of exhausting sometimes too. I'm like, we'll get to the end of the week sometimes and we'll meet just the five of us, the founders, and we'll look at each other and we're like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. <laughs> it was such a week in AI, like some new thing will come out. When Claude 2.0 came out, we were exhausted by the end of that week because we were teaching classes and we were talking to people about it and we were doing interviews and all of a sudden the week was over and I was like in bed, <laughs> yeah. just vertical, you know, horizontal. I just couldn't do it anymore. So the Future Fiction Academy is just, we're just trying to make sure that we're staying ahead of the technology. We're teaching authors the 
the ways to use it and in ethical ways too. We're making sure that people are using the tools in an ethical fashion so that so that they feel that they are that they're doing things the right way. It's just it's it's been so much fun. I'm hoping that we'll just keep going and going and going and uh, yeah. <laughs> learning these new tools. I can't wait. Yeah, and again, you're exactly. This is exactly the right thing because you can't. I mean, I have an AI course that went with my book from 2020 uh, about right. this, and that was really more principles of how a lot of these things work, and thinking about bias and thinking about ethics and all of that kind of thing. But what you're doing is the actual showing people the nuts and bolts, and you're exactly right that you have to do kind of these live labs. And also, you mentioned play. The word play. This is the word that I think is so important. I feel like authors, like, okay, let's say uploading a book to Amazon KDP, there is a way to do it. And it's exactly the same. And let's face it, it's been the same for pretty long time. (laughs) So you Mm -hmm. can do a video on how to do that and it will sit there. But exactly as you say, I mean, you log on to something and it has just changed. Like I, I, when I logged on to Poe, it's got the new Llama model. It's got Mm. some of the other, I was like, oh, I wonder whether I should try this. And the 100K model just popped in and and all this stuff. And I, I think this is the attitude has to be playing with it. But of course, a lot of people aren't confident enough. So I really appreciate what you're doing. So yeah, so I'm I'm very much sending people to you at Future Fiction Academy. So tell us where can people find you, Steph, and also okay. the any other AI resources, the Facebook group and that kind of thing. Okay, great. So I'm Stephanie Pajonis. I write as SJ Pajonis and I'm online as at spajonis.com. So that's S-P-A-J-O-N-A-S.com. And then so Future Fiction Academy is also online. You can find our website, which I also built. (laughs) I love building websites still to this day. So that's at futurefictionacademy.com. We have information there about our labs, any upcoming any upcoming events we'll be doing and including we have a new free course actually on generative AI. It's all about the basics of generative AI and how it works, uh, where all the information comes from. And so just to give people the basics, I feel like the basics are pretty easy and evergreen at this point. (laughs) So we decided to have a free course on that to help people understand all of that. And then the Facebook group is AI Writing for Authors. And if you put that into Facebook, you should find it. Right now, I'm making sure that everybody who comes into the group is a writer. So if you apply to the group and there is absolutely nothing on your profile that tells me that you're a writer, please just message me and let me know, please. Because <laughs> I, I definitely deny a lot of people who either don't answer the questions or don't agree to the rules before they come in. But if they're not an author, then I kind of wonder what they're doing there. But they could have a pen name or they don't do anything on their main profile. And that's totally fine. You just need to message me and let me know. There are plenty of people I also denied. I try to keep those people at bay so that they're not just coming in and spamming and, and selling stuff to our group. Because I mean, our group in on Facebook is very AI positive and they want to learn about the tools in a place where they're not going to be sold to constantly. So I try to keep the try to keep the atmosphere in the group fairly positive and welcoming. And so this way people can come and they can feel secure there. So definitely come check us out. Let me know if there's nothing on your profile that tells me that you're a writer of some kind. You don't even need to be published. It's fine. (laughs) I just (laughs) want to make sure that you're a writer. 
So you're coming in and wanting to learn the tools. Uh, So those are the major places you can find me. No, that's fantastic. And I I check Facebook far more often because I learn from people in the AI writing for authors group. And I know some people who've actually come back to Facebook in order to be part of it. I mean, they left and then they're like, oh no, this is too good to miss. So yeah, you've done a fantastic job and you and and Elizabeth and the team there. uh, I think we're only just beginning on this interesting journey. So thanks for all you do, Steph. I really appreciated your time. Thank you for having me, Joanna. This has been great. So I hope you found the discussion with Steph interesting. And if you want to learn more about ethical use of AI tools for writers, head on over to the Facebook group AI Writing for Authors. So coming up on Monday, I'm talking to Tonya Ellis about writing books for children and how to make school visits a profitable part of your author business and another income stream, which is an angle I think is super important for all of us, not just for children's children's authors. So certainly an interesting chat coming up then. In the meantime, happy writing and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast. You can also get your free author blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint. If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at The Creative Pen or find me on Facebook at The Creative Pen. See you next time.